Welcome to the Questionable to Return podcast, where three lifelong friends discuss Wisconsin sports and more. Now, here's your hosts, Andy, Mike, and Pete. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to a Questionable to Return podcast. As always, I'm Andy here with my friend, Mike. Hi, everybody. And Pete. Oh, no Pete today. Two-man podcast for the first time. Apologize to the fans in advance. We'll I'm, do our best. I'm actually surprised we made it 20 episodes in with all three of us. Right. We, we made it through vacation, still keeping on a pretty good schedule, the holidays. But uh, Pete needed a well-deserved little break, so he'll be joining us back at yeah. our next episode. But Because we, all, we have lives outside this podcast, busy lives, especially you two with kids, a lot of sports going on. Uh, I'm impressed you guys even find the time to do this some week. So, yeah, it's a nice little little side side thing to get away. Yeah, something a little different. Yeah, it's kind of become my one of my hobbies. So, speaking of being a parent, oh, I had a an interesting dad moment that I I felt a little bad about. So it's my it's my son's birthday coming up um, at the end of January. Turns the big nine, which is which is amazing to me. It's like halfway. We're like halfway to 18. I know, it's weird. And, and, and only th- one year away from double digits. Oh, not good. Pulls at the heartstrings a little bit. But my son really wanted to, he's really starting to get into sports, like really starting to understand it, like the football thing and, and really enjoying watching Bucks. And because he's in so many sports, I think he's starting to understand it better and he can follow along and has some decent insight about stuff. But he really wanted to go see the Brewers at their fan fest on January, I think 27th mm-hmm. that weekend. And he asked to get tickets, so I was I had, was fully intending on getting tickets. And kind of what happened was um, it was just going to be the family going. But then um, my wife had a really good idea that that could be like his birthday party sleepover thing, invite a couple of friends and, and make kind of a day just doing that. And that was a good idea. And we were kind of deciding on how many and how many he wanted to take. And unfortunately, he got sick on Saturday night going into Sunday or Sunday, either one. And we didn't actually come to a consensus on the number. And then it slipped my mind till Monday when I went to go look. And lo and behold, it sold out for the first time in Brewers history. Uh, Coming off the the great run in the playoffs, it's probably uh, interest at an all-time high. (laughs) Right. And the Brewers capped it this year. I think they let more. I think overall they're going to let more people come in, but they also then capped it so they didn't oversell it either. Where but, where is FanFest? Wisconsin Center, I okay. want to say. And there's a bunch of people I was reading up on it after to kind of justify <laughs> why it might be an okay idea that we're not we're not going. And uh, people complained. People said it was really fun. Other people said it's super packed and it's hard to move around. And people were saying they should pick a different venue, maybe move it to like State Fair Park. Yeah. But I can only imagine if... Because, if, I mean, last year was kind of big with Yelich and Kane... We're both there with Braun. That was kind of a good showing because they were new free agents. Yeah, that, they had that just, came in and just been brought in. So I'm not sure if they're coming this year. I guess the, the full roster hasn't been uh, released a little bit. Um, but I did make a call out to uh, to see if anybody has extra tickets that they're willing to part with or if any cool listener out there maybe has a couple extra. Otherwise, I gave him a couple other options of going to a Bucks game with his friends. We'll see what happens. He, I th- I he was just, he good. was crushed. It yeah. was it was not even a mad crush. 
it was just a sheer disappointment like that that full passion like he was so excited to go meet and he's at that age right now where he wants to go meet a player yeah and get the autograph it's not just about the autograph it's actually like the idea of meeting a real life athlete which so. i which i get because i remember getting to do that as a kid and i was so excited uh one of them might have even been at some sort of brewers fan fest but this is going back to when the brewers were terrible <laughs> right and there was no lines uh i remember uh i had a uh the team picture for that year i want to say it's like maybe 1991 92 i was probably around your son's age it's still a pretty good team though it's still young right oh molitor would still be there yeah maybe maybe or maybe, just or maybe just after that but uh i got uh dave nielsen okay uh and i believe jamie navarro and Is sheffield there and no i've think this Vaughn was, probably was there still. maybe i'm wrong on the year maybe it's more like 95 yeah maybe more like 94 i think i have the picture i will look it up but uh getting to meet them was even kind of cool without even knowing who they were really but i mean you must have done that as a kid too right oh i have i have, I have a few very distinct i think it was a little bit older um by the time i think i really remembered and really got into it a little bit older than he was not much though but i remember going to meet like ricky bonus Oh yeah, that was like my favorite thing. Um, went to a game a little bit early, and he was signing, like as part of a little fan thing. So we got to go meet him in person and and get his autograph. Another big one in our hometown here, the local sports oh, place right. used to have, especially after the first Super Bowl, or not the first Super Bowl, but the first one in our generation, like Super Bowl thirty one, where they had a couple of the Packers there, and I remember like Robert Brooks I remember was one and. I distinctly remember the Robert Brooks one because that uh, that place was only about like a block and a half from my house, and you could just looking to Main Street from our house, you could just see uh, like crowds of people because people who didn't even have tickets just wanted to go see him, just yeah. line up just to look in the window. Oh, and then even Regency Mall, I had a Packer every once in a while. So yeah. I, I remember William Henderson and Gilbert Brown had him sign a, um, I think Gilbert Burger cardboard box yeah i think i might still have it uh too bad pete's not here uh to confirm this story but we were you ever part of saving the gilbert burger receipts for a while there was like a contest of like every time you ate a gilbert burger from uh burger king (laughs) save the receipt and we'd see who had the most (laughs) oh such a good burger (laughs) it's just the whopper with extra everything right but no pickles yeah they like tripled everything yeah okay I actually I waited out in the snow one time for Gilbert and he ended up not making it. the uh-huh. The weather was so uh-huh. bad that he didn't make it, and I was heartbroken. But my favorite memory of ever meeting an athlete and where I was just like on cloud nine all day was Eugene Robinson, and this might have been at, right after they won the Super right. Bowl. But when I got up there to him, I was so nervous, and he <laughs> he shook my hand and looked me in the eyes and he said, "Thank you for supporting the Green Bay Packers." <laughs> I thought that was just the coolest thing ever. I still have the eight by ten that he signed. <laughs> I remember I was, believe it or not, I was I was a pretty big, big kid, like overweight kid before I got to high school and lost lost some weight, but and grew two <laughs> feet. I was I was always pretty <laughs> tall, but I remember going and when we met William Henderson. His hands were just ginormous. Yeah, he was big, and he just goes like, "So when are you going to try out for the Packers?" And <laughs> while that was awesome looking back on it that that could have been crushing yeah 
Like as as a what a twelve year old or thirteen year old, you're telling me I could start for the Packers and a, a lineman. I should look through my collection and see who I know. I have uh, Eugene Robinson, Dorsey Levins, and I think I have William Henderson. I think those were the three I met and got eight by ten signed. I got Desmond Howard too. Like right after he got the Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, and he actually signed the ball. So I got a, a Super Bowl for, a Super Bowl thirty one official ball, and he signed it. And he was supposed to charge extra. And I asked him at the time, can you put Super Bowl MVP? And his handler, they told him, no, 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 you have to pay for that. And he's like, he's a, in the, and doesn't matter how being cool. Yeah. He's like, he's a kid, man. He's like, I'll sign it. And he did it. And I'm kind of happy about that because I looked up the value of it at one point and I think it was worth less having his signature <laughs> on it. But now it has Super Bowl MVP, it's actually worth something. That's a great one. Uh, you just triggered a memory. Uh, right after they won the Super Bowl, he was at the Milwaukee car show signing autographs, and that was announced. And we drove to Milwaukee to see it with my dad early. We got there like before it opened just to get Desmond Howard's autograph because they said he's only going to sign like the first 2,000 people that show up, and then he's got to go. And when we got there, the line was already past 2,000 people, and we got there early because people had started showing up like 5 in the morning. That's crazy. So my consolation prize was my dad said, we'll go walk around and look at cars, and if there's anyone else signing autographs, you can get their autograph. Donna D'Erico from Baywatch was signing autographs. Oh, nice. Little 13-year-old Mike went and got her autograph, and that's for that story's for a separate podcast. <laughs> More mature podcast, but I was still pretty Stand happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> still pretty happy. So hopefully, though, you can find something for your son yeah we'll to, figure out something i mean a bucks game is a good consolation That's what i thought too prize but i get take a couple of friends and go go to see go back to fiserv yeah i get though if he really has his heart set on actually Maybe meeting it, one yeah, a, know, a player up close hey but you could invite uncle mike and you could go to fiserv finally yeah i was just trying to make plans to go there i need to go for the first time still bucks are on a big road trip though so before we get into it, we have one more kind of a special teaser and announcement. We finally, I know we teased it a couple other times, but I think we finally have it locked down the episode with the one and only Hall of Fame, Packers Hall of Fame member, Frank Lamping. Yeah. It is scheduled and on the books in another couple weeks, well, a week he, from Sunday. He's like the original super fan. And yeah, we've wanted to interview him for a while, especially because uh, his, his, uh, campaign to get into the Packers Hall of Fame. It's going to be insane to hear about that. Is a great story and we even did our part as much as we could to vote him in. Maybe I'll give him my my dark secret about how I I helped him a little bit. Yeah, we were doing everything we could and then yeah, it kind of became a community rallying around him, rallying around cancer awareness. Mm -hmm. So a lot of good things and yeah, when we uh, started this podcast that was kind of on our our bucket list of for sure. we have to interview Frank. It's been great to see how energetic he has been about coming on. So hopefully everything goes to plan and he can make it. But yeah, we're pretty excited to have the logistics worked out and he's gonna gonna make an appearance. Yeah, can't wait. So look look forward to that one. Pretty excited because he actually he actually called the coaching hire. So I'm excited to hear that story too. Yeah, we also got to pick first his first on record. Pick his brain for uh, Packer knowledge too. Moving on, do we have any 
Did anybody write in? Do we have any fan mailbag? We do. Uh, one thing I have to mention, my dad wanted to write in and send this last minute. It just happened today. I told him there wasn't time, but he said, can you mention it is Marquette won tonight in overtime. If you haven't seen it, it's worth just looking up how they won. Creighton was up three with the ball with 0.8 seconds left, and Marquette managed to uh, send the game into overtime because Creighton threw the ball, <laughs> and it nobody touched it, and it rolled all the way down court and went out of bounds <laughs> with no time, no time coming off the clock. So then Marquette inbounded it. Desperation three, they won. So consider how, that, my dad. How does the team not touch the ball? I don't know. I don't know. I was just looking for the exa- yeah exactly what happened, and then I think Marcus Howard had a a school record fifty three points for Marquette. So consider that a question. But an actual question we got John from Caledonia. He says, "Were you guys surprised by the upset by the Eagles against the Bears?" Uh I would say I was incredibly surprised. Even, <laughs> I was too. Even as Packers fans, I just felt like the Bears were so clearly the better team. Plus, I think and you and I mentioned we put money. Yes, yeah, yeah, we both bet the Bears because of the four games in the weekend, the f- the first three games were all really close in terms of the point spread. They were all like three points right. or maybe even under three points by game time. Yeah, But the Bears were comfortable like six and a half point favorites. So they were the team. I kind of liked all the road teams up until I thought the Bears were slam dunk going to win. But yeah, I never fully believed in like the Foles magic, and I mean, and I have to now. Yeah. But the idea still, like they looked. I mean, they're peaking at the right time, so I'll give them that. Like, but the team just didn't look like they had it all together. The defense still looked a little bit questionable. They picked it up towards the end. The offense, I mean, they suffered with Ajayi being out and Corey Clement. Yeah, they've had no really go-to running back if you look at they had adams for a while but they have been just shuffling guys in and out of there with smallwood now sproles is back and then i just look erratic with wentz and and i mean he's good and but he just didn't seem settled and then he got injured so then it's kind of wrote him off and then Foles even struggled a little bit during the regular season and lo and behold like they just hit their stride and i just don't know it was just crazy and some people like to say, "Well, they look Bears out for the- at home." I I don't know. It was just seemed like there was too much stacked up against Philadelphia. Yeah, people who said, "Look out, the Eagles are hot," which I didn't make any sense to me. Like they had won, I think, three in a row. The Bears had won nine of ten going into the playoffs, right. and the Bears were seven and one at home. Their only home loss was to the Patriots. I know they had a couple weird road games this year at Miami. They, there was like the weird Brock Osweiler had a great game against them. They lost. Was Mac even playing that game? He might not have been. And they also lost. That game went to overtime. They also lost in overtime at New York against the Giants. But at home, they seemed just so dominant right. that I never would have guessed. And everyone wants to blame Cody Parkey, which I get anytime a kiss, kicker misses a field goal. If you, haven't, if you haven't seen it, the, the rant, the, the bear rant that's on YouTube and all over like social media, I was hoping to get it ready for like this show, but I couldn't get the bleeps in. in There's time. a lot of them. <laughs> so I'm trying to get that figured out. I'll play it maybe hopefully for our, our, our Sunday show. Um, but yeah. You were, yeah, he's you basically, saying. he's filming himself walking out of the stadium. <laughs> and it's pri- If you haven't seen it, you have to go watch it because even like the uncensored one is phenomenal. Well, he wants to blame Cody Parkey, but I think 
the Bears offense is to blame. They only, the defense held them to 16 points, the Eagles 16 points at home in a playoff game. You would think you'd feel pretty good about winning, but the Bears had to settle for field goals three times where they drove downfield and just could not get the ball in the end zone. That's why they had nine points and then finally got a touchdown late. Yes, for as much as you want to get on Parky's case, he outscored the offense. Yeah, yeah, that's why I I know it's easy to blame him because just the final play of the game was on him, but the Bears' offense has to do better. So I wouldn't be as hard on Parky, but he's definitely gone. So yeah, well, all I of that. I don't know. They signed him. Didn't they sign him to a four-year deal? I I think he does make. Hold the, on. I, I don't want I don't want corrections to kill. So you keep talking. I'll get up the actual contract. Hold I on. I do think. Going into next year, the highest cap number for kickers is Mason Crosby 1 and Cody Parkey 2, which is kind of funny. It is funny. So I don't know uh, how much dead money they'd have to eat, but I would just think after this game, I can't see how they bring him back. Or after hitting the upright six times in the season, that is all people talk about. If they they cut him, it's a a $5 million cap hit. I think they still just, they have to do it. They just have. They just have to. There's. A, yeah, he signed through 2021. There's a buyout, and like after the 2019 season. I'm surprised they uh, they gave him that long of a deal, considering he's already bounced around a few teams. Yeah, four year, fifteen million. You know what the worst part is? I heard uh, Robbie Gould came back to Chicago with his, I think his family to watch the game yeah he was in the stands oh uh, he kicked for the 49ers this year right yeah i think he only missed two field goals on the season uh and i think he he might be is he not signed for next year i don't think so so yeah i bet they miss him now (laughs) the the knock on him was always he doesn't have the big leg but he's really accurate (laughs) i bet the bears fans would have wished they'd had that accuracy yeah how how's cody parkey's leg and Hey, lesson is, uh, if you're going to put it all on a kicker in a cold weather situation, 40 plus yards, nothing is guaranteed. Ball might have even been tipped, but. So we do have one more, one more write in. Oh, we do. It comes from podcast Pete. Hey, isn't he supposed to, isn't he supposed (laughs) to be busy or sleeping? I mean, if he has time to write in, he should be here just to talk about it, I think, but he's coming from the QTR couch or bed. I'm hoping at this point. And he wanted to talk about a couple things. Uh, says he loves us. Love you too, buddy. Said he couldn't make it tonight, but he hopes that we'll rock it. He wanted to talk about the Bucks first off, so I think we'll get that in a little bit. But he said, what a huge win tonight. Harden gets his, but Giannis with his 2020 game, so impressive down the stretch in the third quarter. Watching Harden is both amazing and frustrating at the same time. He pushes off a lot in that step back three. Yeah. We said his step back can be deadly. It is, and then you wanted to talk about the Packers. It'll be interesting to see what Lafleur does and the coaching staff, but what he can do to re-energize the team. He sounded extremely nervous, but said all the right things, and I'm excited to see what he brings. He says he'll hope to see us and the fans coming in um, on the Sunday episode, so we look forward to having him back. But we're going to talk about both those things coming up, but thanks for writing in, bud. Yep. See you soon. But before we get to Bucks and Packers, we have a little bit of Brewers news. Uh, first, they traded Braxton 
They got Bobby Wall, who's got a little bit of big league experience, nothing too uh, too impressive so far, but he's young. And then uh, a couple minor leaguers, Adam Hill and Felix Valerio. Are you surprised they traded Braxton? I thought there was an outside chance he could maybe stick around as a defensive replacement, but I guess Corey Ray maybe is potentially uh, could take that role. They do have a few options in the minors, but I guess we just got to look at it as uh, in Stearns we trust. Yeah, I mean, I'm not overly shocked. Um, I think he was out because he was out out of the like minor league option. Yeah, something following suit to who was the other outfielder that we got traded right before Christmas? Santana. Yeah, so Santana got traded kind of similarly. I think this is kind of follows suit. I think they want to make sure because um, if they would have waived him, he would definitely wouldn't have cleared waivers. Yeah. So I think somebody would put a claim in for him. So you might as well get something for him. Yeah, I agree. I just I thought after you know after moving Santana that maybe they would be more likely to uh, keep Broxton to just have a veteran fourth outfielder, especially with Bronze banged up a lot. I guess Thames can play outfield, but in terms of yeah, center like, fielder, there's even a rumor that Thames might not make it out of spring training either. Yeah. So I mean, kind of be just. I guess it gives them a few more options. But I think it's kind of writing on the wall, or or hopefully maybe we'll see a little bit, like as you mentioned, Corey Ray getting an opportunity to come up. Yeah, I think some young guy has to has to be uh in the in the future plans. But um, we'll do a deeper dive into the Brewers coming up, and really not too long. But uh, but I do like the trading for the prospects. I mean, yeah, you, there's some interesting. There's a couple tidbits I heard of like Adam Hill and Valerio are decent prospects. I mean, they're not like top of the line but they're they're they're, if, they're recently signed i think they only have one year of minor league experience if one of these guys turned into a a solid bullpen pitcher i'd say it's worth it then and then the uh the other piece of news this one little head scratching very yes, much so yes Manny grandal greased a one-year deal with the brewers for 18.25 million and if you recall the series between the brewers and the dodgers in the divisional series, he did not do well. He had, he had probably one of the worst catching performances in postseason history. Yeah, didn't he set a record for pass balls? There was there was something, some sort of record you did not want to have, and he had it. And yeah, it wasn't good. But I mean, we did struggle a little bit from that from that perspective until like Kratz came on late in the postseason. Had a, a probably a postseason for the ages, especially for his age. Yeah. And whatnot, so I don't know if you want to bank on just that performance going in. Yeah, probably not. And Pena was pretty good defensively, but was erratic kind of from an offensive standpoint. So Grundell coming in, I mean, he kind of solidifies a little bit that offensive side. He, aside from, I think, what, Buster Posey, he's probably one of the better offensive catchers. Yeah, I think uh, if you go back the last, is it four seasons, uh Buster Posey and maybe one other, Wilson Contreras, I think, are the only two catchers with a higher OPS. And he's got pretty good power for a catcher. He's had three straight seasons in and in the mid-20s for home runs. So that part of it's nice. Uh, yeah, maybe Kratz is viewed a little bit like uh, Solgard. You know, Solgard had that hot stretch, and they brought him back, and it turned out that, yeah, that was that was kind of the 
the little blip in his career that that's not the kind of player he is. Maybe they felt like that with Kratz. So right. I guess there's minimal risk with a one-year deal. I mean, even if he's a complete disaster, right. get out of it. So, And the Dodgers, to give him a, a, qualifying, offer, a qualifying offer of 17.9 mil that he, I mean, probably turned down, so... He's a genius. Right. He knew I need that extra 350 grand and I'm going to go get it. I'm going to show you. It still feels good that he stuck something to the Dodgers. Yeah. And uh, I guess I said it's a little bit head scratching because I I guess I'm just surprised to see the Brewers hand out a contract like this. Just not used to it. But hey, if if that's going to be our catching situation, Pina and Grandal, that you know that's probably a pretty solid one too and you feel pretty good going into a season with that so in Stearns we trust I'm just gonna I'm gonna just put my faith that uh, Stearns knows what he's doing he seems to be pulling all the right strings one of the other offseason moves I think was the the sign of Corey Spangenberger yeah from the, the Orioles as uh, our new utility man yeah so, infield infield utility which is maybe uh, nice to have for the National League if we have Perez and Spangenberger as our kind of do-it-all kind of utility men. So. Yeah, looks like he played all over the all over the field. I mean, mostly second base and third base when he was a Padre, and then he did have some experience in the outfield too. So maybe that's kind of the combination between the infield and outfield. Yeah, it could be, and I guess uh, I I left out Perez too when I was saying who could be in the outfield maybe they will just plug these guys in some days if Braun needs off or or uh one of the other guys yell at your cane assuming at some point Braun's gonna get injured so we gotta plan for that he will be so uh I'll like I said uh I'll trust Stearns and it'll be interesting to see how the roster kind of takes form it already is so far with with a few uh a few winter moves but interesting fun fact about him, he was the 10th overall selection in the 2011 draft, so he's got some draft pedigree, just never really lived up to potential. So hopefully he's got something coming yeah. for the Brewers. Yeah. But, yeah, like as you mentioned, Will, more to come. It's going to be quick upon us. Just got to get through playoff football, Super Bowl, kind of week break. We'll live through the Brewers, or the Bucks, I mean, and then the Brewers will be back in place, so it'll be pretty rampant pretty quick here. March Madness will be just around the corner. Yes. We'll we'll survive winter. That's what we'll do to survive it. Thank you, Bucks. Speaking of the Bucks, since we last did a podcast, they had two nice wins. Undefeated since we last talked. Yeah, starting with a home win against the Jazz, which that was a good game from the standpoint of uh, it was real close throughout the first three quarters and then the Bucks just got to the fourth quarter and they kind of wore them down and they just went on a run pulled away didn't look back they outscored him by 15 in the fourth quarter and that was really the difference and yeah. it's good to see him pull away from a team in the fourth and it's kind of kind of stalling yeah it seems like they've had a lot of games where uh they'll blow teams out or you know they'll they'll just kind of outplay them for a lot of the game but this one was really kind of neck and neck throughout and then in the fourth quarter though it just felt like yeah like they wore him down and it was a, a matchup of the two best dunkers in the NBA <laughs> Giannis and 
guy who's a distant second, Rudy Gobert. <laughs> but Giannis uh, got the best of this matchup. A uh, couple, couple little things uh, uh, from this game is Thon Maker set a season new season high. Yeah, it's going to be his breakout game. And uh, Donovan Mitchell, he really seemed frustrated. Uh, he's only 8 of 24 from the field and had uh, seven turnovers. <laughs> he seemed to just be settling for threes late in the game, which he did make six of them. But for the most part, I would say the Bucks did a pretty good job on him defensively. So I couldn't recall, was was DJ Wilson injured before going into that game? Or was he got injured? did he get injured in that game? Um, He must have been injured before that game. He didn't play at all. Okay. I couldn't remember if it was the game before that. Uh, it seems like someone's always hurt. We get uh, Ilya Sova back right. with his Batman mask on. And well, DJ Wilson's up and coming was because, I think, Yeah, Ursan was injured. So, I mean, it's only fitting that when one, when Ursan comes back, the voodoo doll gets put back on DJ. That is very true. And then they're moving on to the Rockets game tonight. They they take care of the Rockets, 116-109. to 109. I think the difference in this game probably was the third quarter. 15-point differential in the third. Yeah, and uh, the Bucks had a comfortable lead throughout a lot of this game. I think they were up by 14 or 15 at one point in the fourth, and then the Rockets went on that big run, and they got down. They were only down three, and they had the ball, and that's where you just feel like it's time for Harden show. Right. And he, he shot a three and missed, and they got a long rebound, gave it right back to him, and he missed again. And I think that was the that was the moment the Bucks had to survive to win the game, and they did because after that, uh, Giannis had a big tip in, and uh, yeah, there was no looking back. But yeah, but Harden, man, forty two points and eleven boards, six assists. That I mean, he he is the team. Harden is it's just unbelievable. He really is, and. Even tonight, you know, when the Bucks had a comfortable lead, it never felt that comfortable because it was like Harden was lurking. Urson, um, though, that guy, like we always talk about drawing the charges. He drew three charges tonight, <laughs> and it really could have been a fourth. There's one late in the fourth quarter where Harden ran him over, and I think they just didn't want to call another right. offensive foul. I really think that... They could easily gave it to him. They, easily. Yeah, they could have given it to him. Harden ended up, though, with nine turnovers in this game, too. For as mu- as well as he played, 42 points, it, it did take 30 shots to yeah. get there, and he had nine turnovers. So credit the Bucks for some good D. I mean, it was a good showing. It was a battle of the MVP candidates, both making their, their case. I mean, Giannis had his 27 points and 21 rebounds to really kind of – Yeah believe that's a show. career high now for him in rebounds that's it's a pretty fun number to look at in the uh box score when you see a 2020 game i'm uh i'm guessing though Giannis only gets that when your guy uh brooke lopez just stays out of the paint because <laughs> 21 rebounds it's like is anyone else even going to rebound we'll just let Giannis have him i think brooke passed the mailman for oh. career blocks he had four blocks tonight, so there you go. He may he may not go in the paint to uh, rebound, but he will play some defense in there when we need him. So good on you, Brooke. What's nice about this too is uh, the Rockets had won uh, ten in a row at home. We broke that streak. That they've been hot. Would you say is this 
the Bucks' most impressive win of the year? Or would you still give it to at Golden State? Because those are the two games that stand out. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's a tough one. I think I also like the I think the second Toronto Raptors showing. Yeah, that's a good one too. When Kawhi was back. Uh, it's really hard. I mean, it was good. I, I like that they went in there. I like that it was close. I like that they pulled away, and then they were still able to maintain that lead going into the fourth, even taking a, a surge coming back from um, from Houston. So, I mean, it's definitely probably top five on the year. Yeah, it might just be uh, that's the kind of culture we live in is it's recency biased and everything's the best or the worst. It did feel like I wanted to say this was the best win of the season, but they really did uh, beat down Golden State when they beat them. So I don't know, but this one felt good, especially with how hot the Rockets were. And it almost seemed a little bit like a playoff game with how much the crowd was going crazy. And, you know, like you said, these are probably the two front runners for MVP and the crowd getting behind Harden and booing Giannis. So on a a quick last last note, kind of on on the rebound thing, I don't know if these stats were updated yet to include tonight's game. If it did, he just moved into seventh all time, like Bucks rebounding leaders. If it didn't, then he's still eighth. But if he if the if the twenty weren't included, he passed Sidney Moncrief for seventh overall. That's pretty incredible, considering he's twenty four years old and he's been a Buck for is his sixth season. That's still that's pretty good yeah. to be a franchise's top seven yeah, all time. He's, he's seventy away from Glenn at six. Oh. Big dogs about to get passed. Wow. I, I would I wouldn't be shocked if he got uh I think there's a pretty pretty decent chance he gets the fifth by the by end of the, the season. Wow. And maybe a, a stretch goal to uh, to get past Bogut at four. Bogut? I, I that makes me think, who is number one? I don't even know. You you'd know. If you think about uh, it. If I think about it long enough. Probably the I, most. Probably the most recognizable buck of all time. Is it Kareem? Yes, sir. I'm. I guess I'm surprised because it didn't seem and like he was and, there. And it's not even close. Well, six, I guess six seasons. Yeah, I'm. I'm surprised because he wasn't here that long. Six yeah. seasons, 467 games. He had 7,161 rebounds. So who's second then? Um, Bob Dandridge. Hmm. So it's a, it's a little before our time. 4,497. Wow. There's almost a 3,000 rebound difference. Well, I know Kareem did win. I think he won three MVPs with the Bucs. Uh, no wonder he did because he was putting up insane numbers. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because some, some of the stats look a little bit off because like they didn't actually start measuring offensive versus defensive rebounds until like the 1973-74 season. So some of these are a little bit skewed. Oh, yeah. That's kind of like three-point shooting is pretty skewed because one the three-point line didn't exist for so long and also it used to be team shot three so sparingly now it's it's like a volume stat yeah there's quite a few active bucks that are on this like middleton's even in the top 25 yeah that one i guess ursan is 13 oh good for ursan he's he's he, he you know travels the league a little bit <laughs> but he comes home and John Henson was would have been on it, but he's no longer. Um, my, my my guy John Henson. Well, 
Moving Bucks. on to more exciting things. Bucks, Bucks though, keep it up. Keep up the defense. Uh, seven of their last 10 games, they've held opponents to 45% shooting or less. I think that's been the key to their success. And they still have not lost back-to-back games all year. They're, uh, they're going on a stretch of... This, this actually started at 10 out of 13 on the road. Yeah. With the game at Houston. Got at the Wash- end. Washington up next. Yeah. End of this uh end of this thirteen games, does that number still hold up where they haven't lost back to back games? Yes. You think they survive? I still feel like it. Oh, that'd be impressive. They'd have to I think they'd the problem is they'd have to lose to somebody that they shouldn't lose to. Yeah, that's true. Because they basically they have a couple tough games, but they're they're more spread out throughout the schedule. So tomorrow, because so. tomorrow they're Washington, the Wizards. I think they take care of that one. Wall is out for the season, so I think they can pretty much take yeah. that one down. Uh, rematch against the Hawks. Then on Sunday, which I think they can take care of that one. Coach Bud revenge. They struggle with the Heat, but they're back at home, so we'll see. Give they have a they have a couple days rest, or they have a day rest in between there, and then the Grizzlies. That could be a tough one. Yeah, that could be the one they probably Especially lose with a back to back. And that means they'd have to lose the Magic at Orlando. Yeah. So either they're gonna lose, is either gonna be like they they lose one to the Heat and then turn around and lose to the Grizzlies, or they're gonna lose the Grizzlies and go to the Magic and lose, which I don't see. And then I go, I guess the Mavericks, but I don't see them losing to the Hornets. Then after, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. See if they can keep it up. I've been impressed though. I have faith that they won't lose back to back though. Well, you're the biggest uh, Bucks believer, so. I'll defer to you. For sure. They're making me look good. So now jumping into probably most the most exciting and cutting cutting edge news for the Wisconsin sports landscape. This is what everyone's been waiting for. The the Packers have announced the fifteenth head coach, Matt LaFleur. What say you, Mike? The more I look into this, the more I love it. Uh, At first, just hearing, well, he was the Titans offensive coordinator last year. Why should that get us excited? Well, most of the reason to get excited about him comes from what he did before that. Uh, Obviously, he was with Sean McVay and the Rams. The year before that, whole reason he left was because Sean McVay called the plays. Mm-hmm. And obviously the Rams last year, their offense went from Jared Goff being terrible, Todd Gurley looking like a bust to one of the best in the league. Year before that, he's uh, Matt Ryan's quarterback coach when Matt Ryan's MVP of the league. Right. You got to love that stuff. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited too. And and you can kind of play off a few. I mean, the talking heads don't like it, which makes me kind of instantly like it. Yeah. I mean, when you see Skip Bayless and who's the other guy? Just says stuff to say stuff all the time. Uh, I can't think of it now. Colin Coward? Yeah, that guy. Yeah. And even Stephen A. Stephen A was actually, I think, a little, probably the best of the three. But they still were, were kind of blown away a little bit. And I'm not sure what they're expecting um, to come in. I mean, they kind of rant about how 
the locker room was kind of lost, and, and especially Aaron seemed bored throughout the year. And Mike McCarthy called plays, and there's rumors that, and, and they're still passing these rumors, but the rumors that he changed the plays and it didn't matter anyway, so why are you bringing in a guy who even had a worst offense? And I think that's kind of, you're spinning that story however you want to yeah. make it look. It's not, I don't think it's overly accurate, but I think you bring in somebody who's younger, an innovative part of an innovative system that I think that Rodgers can appreciate. I mean, he sees the success that like McVay is having. I mean, he's not yeah. McVay. He's not going to come in here and he's not going to be McVay. Yeah. So if you're hoping for that, I think you're going to be sadly disappointed. I mean, the the press conference today could have proved he's not McVay. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's what Pete was referring to when he said he seemed nervous, and I think he was. Super nervous. I don't think he's a, a public speaking type of guy, but it was good to see somebody who was passionate about being here, wanted to be here, was kind of, I mean, I was a little bit taken aback that he was that shocked to get the position, which made me feel like yeah. I didn't feel like he was quite qualified for. But I think what really resonated for me on the pick is I like that it wasn't some of, let me rephrase this. I think what really resonated to me that the biggest risk that the Packers could have had was going with the likes of Bruce Arians, a Jim Caldwell, yeah. Chuck Pagano, or any of those type of guys. They needed somebody like this, at the very least, to shake up the status quo, the complacency that seemed to set have settled in Green Bay. And I don't think a 39-year-old up-and-coming that has lived through the likes of a Kyle Shanahan and lived through the likes of McVay and with the energy, even Dan Quinn, is going to let that happen. So, and I love the idea. Now, it's not official, but the rumors are that he wants to keep petting around. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's, that's kind of like answered prayers, at least for me. I don't know about you. Um, that he's really going to kind of focus on this offense and kind of have a marrying or a partnership with Aaron Rodgers to make him an equal stake in the success of this team. And I think he made it perfectly clear that it's going to be a partnership and a marriage of those two is going to be what makes or breaks the success for the Packers in the next four years. It's not, I don't think it's coincidence that his, his deal lives through the end of Aaron Rodgers. Right. Uh, deal as well so i think they're going to be tied to the hip they're going to live and die together and i think you take a little bit of the it's hard to read some of this because i mean like mccarthy was a little bit standoffish with media and i think he kind of purposely built up that wall yeah so i'm not going to think i read too much into it that some others do but it just seemed like there's a much more open door transparency that like i'm going to open this and it's going to be a partnership with us too where I think McCarthy still kind of held that like this is my team. Yeah. Well, I think when we talked about who we were hoping the Packers got, um, I know I had said I I really liked uh, Lincoln Riley. And in a lot of ways, though, LaFleur checks the same boxes without the risk of Lincoln Riley is that he's only had success in college. But Matt LaFleur is also a young coach. He's offensive-minded. He seems to be willing to take this team in a new direction, more for the modern NFL, which is all stuff I was looking for the Packers to do. Right. We both said we wanted offensive-minded coaches and keep petting. That seems that's in the works. Those are all huge pluses. Uh, and for anyone who wants to point out his time in Tennessee and they weren't successful, keep in mind, uh, first of all, Tennessee plays in a division with Jacksonville, who had the uh, sixth rank by DVOA, Houston had seventh, and Indianapolis had tenth. So they played in a division with tough defenses. 
Uh, they lost Delaney Walker before the season started, and they probably have about the worst weapons in the NFL from a passing game. Yeah, standpoint. I mean, their number one weapon was Delaney Walker, and he was injured what week one. Yeah. So I mean, and again, your your top play caller in Mariota like couldn't feel his hand after week one. Yeah, and he so, missed time. I mean, so when you have the likes of Blaine Gabbert throwing the ball, I mean, they had Corey Davis as their go-to, who he's okay. He was drafted to be a number one. He doesn't look like a he's number never one receiver. Up to it, I think Taiwan Taylor's probably was their Taiwan best receiving talent. Taylor, yeah, was supposed to be their young breakout. They got Tajay Sharp. They just. I mean, this would be a whole separate debate, but I would say that they're definitely like bottom three, bottom five. You could argue maybe like the Bills would be worse, but in terms of pass-catching talent, they were terrible. So I wouldn't even bother looking too much into... But even that, if you actually really if you really want to look at that and that, make that your storyline, do a little bit of homework and kind of watch and see how that, that offense transformed throughout the year. Yeah. And look at the resurgence of Derek. Derek Henry was left to die at the beginning of that season. Yeah. I mean, most people didn't even have him like playing the... Who was the running back from the Patriots that was there? Deion Lewis. So Deion Lewis seemed to be the focal point, and most people left Derrick Henry to, out for dead. And then by but midseason and towards the tail end of it, he was probably the, one of the best running backs in the league. Yeah. And that's not. I don't think that's by happenstance. I think that was somebody, the offensive coordinator, looking at and retooling and and doing its best to try to come up with creative ways to get his best weapons the ball, at the at, and get him in the situations to succeed, which is I think what you want. And uh, even by DVOA, then uh, Tennessee did end up 22nd in offense. So it's not like they were a disaster. And uh, uh, I know you're not the biggest fan of Mark Murphy, but I thought he made one really good point at the press conference. He brought up that... What, letting <laughs> letting Goot actually talk? <laughs> yeah, he did. Uh, Mark Murphy, I do... Jeez, I do, Murphy likes, Mark Murphy likes some Mark Murphy talking. Yeah, he, he really likes to jump in on every question and just like insert, like, oh, I'll take this one too. Like, well, it wasn't even addressed to you. Yeah, I'll, I'll let Brian talk in a minute. But before that, I'm going to go on a 10-minute rant. Yeah, uh, but he did make the point that if LaFleur had stayed with the Rams, he'd probably be a much bigger name this time of year he'd be a more sought after coach the I fact totally that he left and went to tennessee and coached an offense that had Corey davis and taiwan taylor as their top receivers yeah he kind of right. fell off of uh people's radar but yeah he he is uh i think a good offensive mind and i do agree with murphy there that more people would be excited about him if not for that and uh also, what's interesting about him is he goes back to, even before Atlanta, he had uh, one year in Notre Dame mm-hmm. as the quarterback coach, and a, uh, a freshman, Deshaun Kaiser, was on that roster. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't play, but he did coach Deshaun Kaiser. And then before that, he was in Washington with McVay, and that's where they had uh, RG3, and that's where that Washington offense, I think, then leading into Kirk Cousins, really uh, took off. So he's yeah, because McVeigh was like the tight end coach at the time, right? That was all. Yeah, that was under. Was that still under Shanahan? And then Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator. Yeah, yeah, this was under uh, Mike Shanahan. So, do they count as Mike Shanahan's coaching tree? <laughs> I think so. But uh, yeah, for a guy who's only thirty nine years old, he has quite a bit of experience. He's already. I know some of these jobs he only stuck around for a year or two, but he's been enough different places, and then going to. 
uh, Tennessee just to get play calling experience. I think that was the right move. That makes me feel better that he's going to step in. He's going to call the plays. Now he's done it for a year. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm yep. happy with the move. Yeah, it takes it takes a decent. I mean, he could have just like you said, he could have just stayed in in L.A. and just rode this out, got a problem himself a chance at a Super Bowl ring. Yeah, but the fact that he knew what he wanted to do, he wanted to be an NFL coach, so he knew in order to do that, he had to branch out and get an offensive coordinator job that's going to let him call plays, and that doesn't, it's not, it's not as prevalent in the league as it once was right there's a lot of head coaches now that are offensive minded that are the ones that are calling plays and he's going to be one himself he said he was going to be calling plays coming in 2019 i did think it was interesting also it was kind of a very similar situation than a mike mccarthy though mark mccarthy before coming to green bay was still i think he did um call the plays quite a bit but he had that one stop or the one year in in san francisco with which they had the worst offense in the league right I remember uh, when we hired McCarthy, I was kind of just looking at his resume and I was thinking, this isn't too impressive. You know, what about this is supposed to get us really excited? But I would say LaFleur has a a more impressive resume already, even with a, you know, below average uh, Titans team, but everything he did uh, along the way. So if we had to grade it, I'd give it an A. I'm excited. I'm a a B plus, A minus guy just because... There's, there's still some uncertainty. But one of my favorite quotes out of all the ones I've kind of read was a former player, uh, Dan Orlovsky. Did you read that? He tweeted uh-huh. out as soon as he got hired. He said, congrats to LaFleur. I've known the dude for 10 plus years now, played for him twice. I love the hiring. The dude is very bright, very creative, knows how to attack defenses, has had a great teaching, and biggest thing is he's going to coach the heck out of number 12, and he's going to challenge him daily, which is exactly what he needs. Yep, I completely agree. I think that's what Aaron Rodgers needs is especially coming from kind of this young up and coming coach. Maybe they're a little more on the same page in terms of just someone Aaron can bounce things off of, but also willing to, you know, challenge him. I mean, you have to think he has to be, it had to be one heck of an interview because they talked about what interviewing 10 different guys and, and then he was the having last the one. net being even bigger than that for the fact that, I think McDaniel was so widely reported and for them to go in and then he was the last interview for them to quickly turn around without even a second interview, pull the trigger. That had to be one of the better interviews. Yeah. And ultimately it, cause everything made it sound like McDaniels was a done deal. Uh, reading a lot of different people on Twitter, they were saying, you know, expect McDaniels to be announced at the Packers like any, any minute now. Right. And then that fell through and I'm kind of glad now because McDaniels, it's been weird the last two off-seasons with him. I don't know if it's either, I think, one of two things. Either he is just more comfortable as an offensive coordinator, because he did try head coaching, but that was like a decade ago. Or he wants to stay in New England and maybe have the possibility of being a head coach when Belichick retires. I yeah, think- I mean, I don't know. I think I think he's afraid to go into a different system. I think he's comfortable there. I think he, I think you're right. I think he's built more to be an offensive coordinator. I think he's a good coordinator. I think he actually is a, yeah. a pretty decent offensive mind. But I just don't think he can command a room to the likes of a of a Belichick or even Patricia. Patricia even I think is a more command of a group of guys. Now we can argue whether he's a good head coach or not. Right. But the more I hear like McDaniel's talk and whatever, he just he doesn't seem to command. Now I could argue that after Lafleur, like Lafleur is like 
introduction today. I'm not sure what, what that locker room is going to be like, but I'm going to take a lot of nerves and excitement and a whirlwind of 24 hours. Yeah. A little bit and being the first time he's really had to dress like the Green Bay media. I'm not going to judge him based on sitting up at a table <laughs> t- answering questions to a reporter. Um, we tweeted out a video of him uh, with the Rams and he's more kind of high energy. This was during a practice where he was mic'd up and he's, yeah, there he he seems completely in his element. He's kind of, yeah, high energy, calling out guys. He did, in that sense, he did seem a little Sean McVay-like. You can tell maybe the, they they at least uh, know right. each other a little bit. They, some, right. of, some of it might have rubbed off. At the very least, I, I it's hard not to get excited about having something different yeah. for, the, for Green Bay. I think it's been probably a couple years overdue. I think we kept with McCarthy because he, because he get, as much as you want to say it or dislike it, but the idea he he seemed to have earned it, and the success he had, and, and for the most part of the, until the last couple of years, he was still a playoff team. For as down as I felt about the Packers, and granted, I might be a little more pessimistic than the average fan at times. Uh, I feel so excited now about the coach, and you look at uh, the Colts made the playoffs now they had a first year coach the bears yep. Nagy really uh i think transformed that offense i think he did a Nagy got a lot out of the bears uh in terms of uh i was criticizing them at times for it seems like they're running too many gadget plays but uh he did trust trubisky in that game too to make some throws when they needed them so they're those guys if you look at that as kind of a blueprint uh i think the packers could have pretty immediate success not to mention the bears lost vic fangio oh yeah that's uh the to denver the latest news is yeah he just got hired uh what's interesting is uh lafleur was kind of the first domino to fall and then there was just a flurry of moves uh bruce arians got hired um cliff kingsbury <laughs> I, I that i just don't understand <laughs> for the for the pundits that talk about lafleur being an interesting hire that, that kingsbury yeah, what what's interesting is I heard his name mentioned a lot at, for offensive coordinator only. Like the uh, the first I had seen was a couple uh, people who cover the Patriots had thought if the Patriots lose McDaniel's, they might want to bring in Kingsbury as offensive coordinator. And the Cardinals, though, they're willing to gamble and just go straight to head coach. So we'll see how that works out for them. Yeah, I don't. I just don't know. Didn't he get fired? Yeah, by US. What was it? US by Texas Tech. Texas. He was uh he was there with uh Pat Mahomes, which is, is probably the biggest reason for people to want to buy in. Is his right? But he didn't win. He didn't win. <laughs> so I mean, you have you have NFL MVP Patrick Mahomes, and you don't win. Yeah, especially in a college game with the spread. Yeah, you would have thought if anything, he might have had slightly better numbers, but. Cliff Kingsbury himself was from Texas Tech where they ran the the crazy spread and rarely handed off. So we'll see uh, what kind of style he brings exactly. It's probably the last the exclamation point that I want to put on this just to like put people, some people at a user. I think it's not, there's no secret about my love affair for Sean McVay. So, yeah. but the idea, um, I don't know if this is well known by our listeners, if it is maybe whatever, but I thought it was interesting. The fact that the Rams did not want to hire Sean McVay. Like he thought, they thought he was a year or two away from actually being able to run a head coach, being a head coach and run an NFL team, 
but they knew if they didn't hire him that somebody else would. Yeah. So they just took a gamble that they could try to make it work, and that's why they brought in Phillips. It seems like an oddly similar situation, like, yeah. and I'm not going to profess that he's a McVay. No. McVay just seems like on a next level understanding of the game and just the, the way his mind works is just amazing. But if you can get a, even a good portion of that, good football knowledge, he comes from a pedigree. His dad was a coach. He played the game. His, when he was a quarterback, his number one receiver was Ruvel Martin. But Former Packer. Right. But it just seems like we've set ourselves up pretty good. Like you said, an innovative guy, bring the offense into the 21st century, have the motion stuff, like the different things like the the Rams do and Kyle Shanahan does. And then you keep Pettenden as like kind of that that steady guy that also has head coaching experience that can help guide him along yeah. the way. It can kind of keep that together and keep building and transforming our defense. Um, I kind of like the situation. and it'll be, it'll be fun to watch at the very least. I mean, it can't be any worse, right? To be honest. And then we'll see what he does with the rest of the staff. There were rumors that his brother Mike Lafleur, who's currently with the uh, 49ers, might come in for as the offensive coordinator. But it seems like the Niners are shooting that down. They said there's no truth to that. So there's a chance he could keep Philbin, which I would be okay with because it's still going to be him running the show. He just better fire Ron Zook. Yeah, I think that's going to be. Up- like operation number one would be rid yeah. of that. Um, I, I think I heard the rumors about Philbin. I think the idea, I don't think he was going to come in as OC. I think he had plans for his OC. He was going to come in as a okay. different capacity. Um, but Patton's staying for sure. Um, Jerry Montgomery also is staying. Uh, he was the defensive line coach. Mm-hmm. I think I think that defensive side largely stays intact. Um, my I think out of the offensive side, the only one I really care about, I mean, I think Philbin's probably a good influence. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't be overly heartbroken if he goes. Right. I just really, I, I really do like James Campen. Yeah. And what he's done with that offensive line. Um. So I'd be kind of sad if, if he went. Yeah, I feel like the offensive line has always been pretty good under him relative to the talent level too. That. Right. I think he's would... gotten people up and ready to play. I mean, mm-hmm. built Bakhtiari to what he is today. Yeah. And Lindsley. We we seem to. I don't know. Maybe it's just league average but we seem to have a lot of injuries on the offensive line that every year we're shuffling guys around and well didn't our trainer leave or retire well was this the trainer before after they tried the whole thing of uh we're gonna give guys jello so they don't get soft tissue injuries (laughs) i don't know that's to be it'd be a different day and uh i do have one other thing to mention that it's not about the coach but it's a reason for optimism too is besides the coaching this is some of the reason i'm starting to feel so optimistic is the packers also have three draft picks in the top 44 they pick 12th somewhere between 28th and 32nd and then 44 and we saw this year the colts had they picked six 36 and 37 they did nail two all pros with their first two picks and not everyone can do that but they also then got braden smith who's their right tackle at 37 and two of their running backs, Hines and Wilkins. And then the year before that, we saw the the Saints pick uh, 11th, 32nd, and 42nd. And they got uh, Marshawn Lattimore. They got Ryan Ramchek. And they got Marcus Williams, who's uh, turned into a solid safety. He's also known for blowing the Minneapolis miracle play. But, <laughs> right. but he's actually been a, a solid starter. And then, of course, they found uh, Kamara in the third round, which really helps. But if you can... 
and if you can nail those picks, because also those teams, a big thing is they have good quarterbacks. Right. So if the Packers can, not that they have to have a draft where they're finding all pros, but if they can find a couple contributors along with a coaching upgrade, I feel like the Packers could be back on track. And I actually right. have hope again we maybe can make one more run with Rodgers to a Super Bowl. Yeah, because, I mean, especially offensively, I think you have the weapons. Like, Jamal Williams is is a serviceable running back, and then you have Aaron Jones, who's coming off, like, his 12-game stretch, his his yards per carry were were tops in the NFL. You have Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely a Hall of Fame quarterback. And, like you said, an All-Pro in Devontae Adams. There's not not much you really need to add to that. I think they really do need to address the offensive line. So I do like if if one of those first-round picks is is really dedicated to either bringing another tackle in there. And then they got to shore up that defense. Yeah. Yeah, So whatever Petten wants, just give him what he needs. Yeah. There's certainly still question marks, but there's there's talent. There's a good foundation, and they have some elite players, which that's the hardest thing to find is those true difference makers. And I think we have a few of them. Right. I'm feeling good. So kind of wrap up the coaching thing. Excited to see him. I was, uh, it was interesting that uh, Mike McCarthy did not get the Jets job. Yeah. So he's going to sit out 2019 season and hopefully I find something in 2020. I think that's the right move. So just, I just want to come full circle with that. Yeah. And, uh, and, the, and the Browns still doing Browns things. Yep. The Browns, uh, I guess they shocked us all and at the same time shocked no one. They hired someone that was not on anyone's radar or even mentioned, I, right? I, I don't think anyone out there, even the uh, most hardcore Browns fan, he's, would have predicted hey, this. Hey, hey, he's his name is perfect for Cleveland, though. <laughs> Who is it? Freddie Kitchens. Yes, sir. And then, oh. and then immediately fired Greg Williams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, what is going on? So, uh, their whole uh, power triumvirate from last year. They're going to have a good coach and two coordinators. Those guys are all gone. Because Kitchen was a part of their staff already, right? Yeah. He, so he got promoted with it. So that means they saw the success that Greg Williams had as interim coach. It's like, thanks, but no thanks. You did such a fantastic job. We're not giving you the job for somebody else who was in the building. It just seems weird. Yeah, it does seem a little bit of a head. That one's a really a uh, head scratcher, but I don't know. I don't know why they attribute the success late in the year to him. But it seems like... Would it be asking too much that somehow we get Greg Williams on Petten's staff? Oh, that'd be the dream. Yeah. It'd be like Kevin Green. Yeah. Do you want to just come in and... Super energy. He'd basically make him like the linebacker's coach slash like defensive assistant or something. Just swearing at guys all practice. Yeah. You, I think you need on defense, you need at least one guy like that. Chew out a few players and not be afraid to. So yeah, so it's gonna be interesting to see. One, well, I just had to point that out just to see Browns doing Browns things, and, and yeah. our, we and can't our, help but always talk about them. <laughs> and McCarthy, unfortunately, getting passed over on the on the judge job. One last thing on on Lafura, I think I, I sorry I waited this long to say. It. I guess what is kind of interesting. I'm really excited to see what his staff's like because I don't think he has a whole lot of ties. That's true. So it'll be interesting mm-hmm. what he kind of pulls, which pulls is, out of his hat. Yeah, which is why everyone just assumed the brother would be on board because at least like well. I'll probably talk your brother into coming, but yeah, otherwise that's why he he might just defer to uh to some of the guys the Packers have in place. See if uh see if they seem on board with uh his plans. Right. So we want to wrap up the show, Mike. We did a pretty good job. One yeah. more one more task before we, we jump out of here. Fantasy. I did it, everyone. 
I won my first week. Your voodoo doll worked. You stabbed me, and I went from first to last. So all I need, we have two weeks left. All I need is to get first two more times, and you to get last two more times, and we'll have the incredibly unsatisfying three-way tie, <laughs> which comes down to total points, which we haven't even kept track of because we were just hoping there wouldn't be a tie. As a betting guy, and somebody who just loves like Schadenfreude or whatever, I would just love to see that happen. Yeah, I'm all about it. Yeah, it might be the most amusing. It would be as we go to as we somehow have to all come up and agree on where we're gonna go mutually, and then mm-hmm. we're all just gonna buy our own dinner. Yeah, <laughs> like could it be any better? We went into this week. We already did our. But draft. before you get too far down that that yeah. path, who's still in first? You are still in first. That's right. Twenty eight points. So while Pete had to be cocky as we were signing off last podcast about who didn't win. I'm still winning, Pete. You are still winning. Pete's it's a season-long game. With 24, and I'm in third. With, so there's four points between first and second and four points between second and third. And this is the week, though, where this is really, this is the all-star teams. It is. So we did do the draft ahead of time, obviously, because Pete couldn't, couldn't make it tonight. So luckily for you, we'll be able to run down this pretty quick. Do you want to just list off... Uh, the rosters yeah i think that's the way to go so actually i got first pick and if i could get any week not to do first pick this is if i had the last two weeks where i was third pick i wish i had the third pick this week this yeah is, this would be the week to, this, to have it this is where yeah with so, so much talent i was happy to get third because you, you want three out of the top four players oh, so bad anyway so my team i i'm rolling with breeze Gurley, damian williams T.Y. Hilton and Travis Kelsey. I like that Kelsey's making an appearance. Tight ends are so often looked over, but because that's because we just didn't have the few teams that have elite tight so ends I, on there enough. So after last week, and I, and I get it, it was Baltimore, Baltimore's D. I just didn't trust Keenan. Yeah, coming back, so that was probably the best receiving option after that. So I picked third, and I uh, I went with uh, Pat Mahomes at quarterback. I got Zeke and Marlon Mack at running back, and then Michael Thomas and Amari Cooper. That's a heck of a team. I, this, I'm excited about this team. Watch still, me lose by 50. <laughs> I'm still not all in on the Cooper the Cooper aspect of it, um, but everybody else is stellar. And then Pete um, had middle middle pick. He's going with uh, Luck, Melvin Gordon, Alvin Kamara, Tyreek DeFreak, and Keenan Allen. So it's good. It's a good team. They're all good teams. Yeah. So it's um, gonna be one of the. It's gonna be one of the weeks where we all score like seventy plus. Well, what's interesting is we were talking before about how much the road teams dominated. I got, I'll pose one final question to you before we get out of here. This week, we got four pretty strong road teams. I would say it's. Yes. Yeah, so what are we betting, Mike? Colts at Chiefs. Cowboys at Rams, Chargers at Patriots, Eagles at Saints. I was just going to ask you, though, if you had just life depended on it, had to pick one home team to win, who would it be? Oh, man. Chiefs, Rams, Patriots, Saints. Because I was thinking about this, and I can't remember ever not having like a a one or two seed I believed in. Because usually for betting, this is where you're like, oh, there's some team that's just going to, they're just going to crush. Like, so give me those matchups one more time. I have them in order of uh, when they're being played. Colts at Chiefs. This is first game Saturday. Colts. I actually like the Colts. Yeah, I, I do too. Then you get Cowboys at Rams. That's probably my that's probably my my strongest pick. I think the Rams can take care of that. Yeah, and then Chargers at Patriots. Chargers. 
and then Eagles at Saints. You, uh, I want to I mean, say. I, I mean, I want to say Saints is probably yeah. the most obvious pick, but after what happened this last weekend, and I, they just seem to be getting hot at the right time. I, I just can't. I, offic- I I'm not betting that yeah. game at all. I think I would agree with you. I think I would take the Rams because I felt the same way. The Saints seemed like the Saints at home, it, easy pick, but it's not. But it's the Eagles, and I just felt that way about the Bears. Not, to put, not to put you on the spot, but what's the over under on that game? Do you have it? Oh, uh, if you don't, that's fine. I don't have it handy. That's all right. So I, I think my, I think I'm for my parlay. I probably would go. Wouldn't be shocked if I go Chargers. And Colts probably is my money lines, money line parlay of them. Probably. Yeah, I'd like to see what the odds of that is, because yeah, I can't really make up my mind. Normally, yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I'll probably do Rams. I mean, that'll probably be my three team. I'll probably go Rams, Colts, and Chargers, and just hope to get it. Because normally they're ten dollars for like yeah. whatever ninety or whatever it's going to be the payout. <laughs> normally, I uh, like last year. I think it was uh, Patriots hosting the Titans. There's always like one game where I'm just like I'm gonna just bet the money line <laughs> right. of like even if it's like minus five hundred, I'm just gonna bet like a stupid amount of money because <laughs> I know they're gonna win. Right. I'm definitely not doing that this week. So, yeah. It'll be a fun weekend. Anything else? <sighs> if. If uh, if we're getting into gambling talk, I think that's a good time to cut it off because <laughs> I could talk for hours just about right. betting. Uh, well, we did it, Mike. We did it. Hopefully, first. we did. Hopefully, we did Pete proud. Yeah, the first ever two-person podcast. So with that, we had a few good mailbag entries this week. So keep that up. Keep getting in touch. We loved hearing from you guys. We love the ideas. Uh, so that's questionable to return slash mailbag. So definitely reach out to us. I love them. Love reading them. It's kind of interesting. And now we're getting to some of the people we don't even know. That's yeah, good, right? Yeah, that is good. So it's kind of fun. Um, we always love social media. So Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash questionable to return. Twitter, Q to return. We got a couple big likes from Blake Martinez this week and, and a few other ones coming from the, it was his birthday today. Well, today, depending on when you listen to it. It was his birthday Wednesday. Um, so... We'll keep that trying to get fun. Blake's attention. Maybe maybe we can get him for a, a short phoner or something. Yeah, he loves gaming, so we have to build up some tie-in with him. But anyway, so personally, you can reach out to me, Andy, Nine Man. You can find me at Mike R. Daily. And our boy Pete at Pete Cozy Jr. That's P-K-O-Z-Y-J-R. So keep up the five-star reviews. Those are important, so keep, keep liking us. Share it with a friend. We're really liking uh, the amount of viewers. We're really getting... Get some steam going, so it's kind of fun. Before we go, enjoy the implosion of the Bradley Center. The roof comes down this weekend. Sunday will be televised. I'll shed a single tear for that. So with that, we're out. Goodbye, everyone.